Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Tuesday, July 8th, 2014. And on this day in history in 1972, Lean On Me by Bill Withers became the number one hit on both the Billboard Pop and R&B charts. Now, can anyone top that? Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Up first, I have two very entertaining gentlemen and their buddy cop TV series Code Orange, Casey on the left, and Flake on the right. Welcome to the crib. What happened with the original Code Orange is that we, we got the cast together, we got a crew together, we shot the pilot, it looks fantastic, right? But as producers and as competitive people, we looked at our show objectively. Um, cast. Um, uh, we want How's it going, dudes? Hey. Can't complain, man. Now, from your Kickstarter, I see one of you is Casey, and then on my right would be... What, what do you want me to call you? I don't know if it's Eddie or Flake or what. Hey, you call me Eddie Flake. That's the whole name. <laughs> All right, Eddie Flake. You can't forget Flake. No, Flake is cool, man. If I could use Flake, <laughs> I'm straight, dude. I'm thinking ODB, something, if I could use Flake. But, dude... It's never about me, man. It's always about you. Code Orange with a K. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys trying to raise money on Kickstarter, so you guys could check them out. They're trying to bring a, what I call a buddy cop TV series out there for you guys to enjoy, man. And I checked out the trailer. I mean, you guys have raised a decent amount of money, but you guys are after the Kickstarter dream to get a multiple of what you're looking for on Kickstarter. And, and that's not impossible for people because, like I said, people live that Kickstarter dream all the time. So, what are you willing to give up to get that extra money, man? We're going to give up credits. We're going to give up uh, an opportunity for people to be a part of a big platform because I tell you what, DJ Grandpa, we didn't even tell you this when we talked to you. We have been introduced to a lady named Nancy Chris. Right. who was a part of a huge production team in Los Angeles. She saw the project, loved the project, and wants to be a part of it. We just signed a contract with Nancy's production company. She can literally walk our project right in to the front door of major, major operations. So now it has gone from Code Orange, the web series, to Code Orange, the TV, TV show. Yeah, TV series. Yeah. With Code Orange going to TV now, their name is going to literally flash across the screen of a Hollywood hit production company. So when we talk to Nancy, I mean, you can look up Nancy Chris. Okay, Nancy Chris. You're trying to tell me she's like Ice-T or something. She could just walk in and set up a meet. Right now, she is the executive producer of a TV show that is coming out on Fox, I believe in the fall. In the fall, yeah, this fall. It's coming out on Fox. On Fox, nationally. She is the executive producer, the person behind everything. She walked it right in. They pushed it. Done. Okay. And what does everybody love these days? It's cop shows. 
you know, everybody's been Hollywood, been trying to find that recipe of how can we make, you know, the bad boy of film onto a television show. A lot of people have been trying to do that, but never could find the right chemistry. When you ask us what we're giving up, and I mean, we have all of our awards on Kickstarter, and they'll get the DVDs, and they'll, you know, we have a, a special one where a person that gives a lot of money could be a part of the actual show, literally could be on the show. Right. And that would be awesome. But it's a, an opportunity to be a part of a moving train, literally, that's picking up steam. Yeah. By the hour. Okay, you guys trying to make me feel like you the Oculus Rifted. Of, uh, <laughs> you know, Oculus Rifted TV film or Kickstarter or something. Okay, I, I got we, you, man. We want DJ Grandpa to be a part of it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're trying to make Code Orange not just, just a TV show, but a brand, you know what I'm saying? I, I got you. Like, got you. a brand. We really do have all the things in the works to make it happen. But it's been a process, man. I tell you, it's been some bump in the road. It's been a lot of headaches, and and we just stuck with it, you know? Now, I believe you guys are cocky, number one. I guess they call that swag or whatever. So that's totally cool. But second, you guys were self-aware. You said that you shot your pilot, and then you say, but it wasn't good enough. You didn't have the type of resources that you believe or that you know that you need to take it to the next level but you were so passionate that you did it anyway and then i hit you with what are you willing to give up and then you guys try try and pull me and, and then <laughs> take control and then tell me what you're willing to give up but you better not miss the train so i mean <laughs> but it's very interesting that you say that because in hollywood as African-American male actors, right. you have to be supremely confident in the brand that you are bringing to the table. Right. Because the slightest hint that you're not confident, oh, next. And I think that the confidence that we have is not the confidence that we've got this great show and it's going to be so awesome. It's the confidence that we have the tenacity to keep chasing it, even when we knew it wasn't good enough. So, I thought it was hot, though. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm talking about, man? I say blue, he say green. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I thought it was the hottest thing on the earth, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, that would be flake. <laughs> There's a definite difference between... The left side of my screen and the right side of my screen. Right, right. That's all I can say, you know. You know, Code Orange came from a thing from work. If somebody was violent or you needed help, you got on the radio and was like, Code Orange, Code Orange. And everybody that was part of your unit would come and help you out. Right. So in the summertime we worked, that got crazy. So it was Code Orange all the time. So I was thinking, like, this would be a great TV show, you know, Code Orange. With right. two African-American guys leading the show with drama and funny, it's not a bad idea. So, you know, me and Casey put our ideas together and just started writing. You know, I'm no top writer. He's no top writer. But we believed in it so much that we made it happen. You know, we got a crew. We shot the uh, initial pilot. Man, let's do long-winded. Okay. I, I, hold I, up, I, hold I, up, hold up. Now, I saw in the video, which one was long-winded in the video? It was the reverse in the video. It was Casey hogging the screen. Yeah, in the second video, in the second video, because I, I did, I did my homework. DJ Grandpa, I appreciate that. People <laughs> trying to steal all the. No, no, seriously, he literally hit it on the head, DJ Grandpa. We, we got together, we started writing, we put it on wax, and then when we stepped back, we were like, ah, 
we can't release this into the atmosphere because it wasn't good enough right. for mainstream TV. So we took a step back and we was like, okay, we got to go back. We got to raise some money because we want to take it to another level. We raised our initial goal of 10000 which initially was for a small website. Yeah. And so now when we talk to Nancy, we need upwards around seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 to really cement this as a strong pilot show so that when we take this in front of the cream of the crop, we're talking Fox, NBC, right. we're talking CBS, we're talking the cream of the crop. Right. We want our production value to be just as good as the initial idea. That's why we put the Kickstarter up to get people to come and right. and just be a part of this great show because I'm so speechless because it's <laughs> no, so that, much that, going that is on that right. is a lie right there. That's the exact <laughs> opposite of what you are, man. Come on, let's not play it. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be rude to people. Here's what we need the money for. Okay, so this is how it works in Hollywood. When you have a production that you want to do that is not a studio, a main studio production, main studio you have production. to come up with the thing yourself. Right. So say, for instance, Netflix got Orange is the New Black. So they got that new joint that's out. Netflix will fund it because it's their show. They put their stamp on it. Right. Now, because we're, we're dealing with Nancy, who is an executive producer of a show, but she's not necessarily tied to the network. Right. So she's almost like an independent contractor who has the end to go to the major deals. Okay. The money that we're going to raise is going to go directly to the writer that we're going to bring on board, which we've already talked to him, and an amazing writer. All of his scripts, literally, have been either nominated or won awards. Right. Nancy's going to direct it, and, she, and she's amazing. The people that's handling the cameras, they are literally studio people who right. have worked on this stuff for years and years and years. And so that's the reason for the money. The money is to create the best possible production that is not a big-time studio right. production. I guess the draw for me is, or the draw that I think people would like is the part about when you said you could actually be in the TV show. You know, you can go to kickstarter.com, you can check out the pledges for Code Orange, and you can actually become a member of the cast. I mean, everybody has wanted to play a cop on a show. I mean, so have I. And so that's what I think that, no, my, dude, I see my kids doing it every day. My, my kids running other kids down, giving them tickets, stuff like that. So that is still a lot. So go to kickstarter.com, check out Code Orange. But remember, it, it's a little tricky to find because it starts with a K, K-O-D-E, Orange. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Appreciate that. All right, DJ, hey, Grandpa, appreciate you, man. I'm Ethan Rappaport, software engineer by day and fantasy author by night. In faux life, a girl named Victoria has the ability to grant temporary life to inanimate objects. She has just moved into a new neighborhood with her family and is starting ninth grade at a new school. Welcome to DJ Grandpa's crib, man. Thank you. How do you pronounce the title of your book there, that installment? It's called Faux Life. I actually work in New York, live in Connecticut, so I have a long train ride. I used to have a long train ride. 
and we decided to start writing during that train ride and found out that I, I absolutely love writing. Well, I saw a story in a major magazine, I believe it was in Playboy, I believe, or something, not too long ago. And it was a, a writer, you know, who had also worked for Slate Magazine. And they started a story, basically, that riding on the Sella and different Amtrak trains was like the best thing ever for your writing career because for some reason you could focus. Oh, I believe it. It happened to me. What's your story, dude? I mean, what's this full life? In this story, a teenage girl, she's around 15. She moves to a, a new town where she's going to a new school, just entering high school. But straight from the beginning of the story, she has this ability that where she can give just any type of object. She can make it come alive temporarily. Right. In high school, she's trying to fit in, trying to figure out, I guess, which clique she belongs to. She kind of meets up with some bullies. And eventually, she's going to find a friend to help her figure out high school and what's with her powers. Why are they only working temporarily? How should she use them? Things like that. You don't seem as though you are a teenage girl in high school. So... Why did this story come to you? I have a daughter that's going into ninth grade, so I consulted with her a lot to get this character to be realistic. Since you had to work with your daughter and stuff to make the character realistic, I mean, were you shocked by the things that your daughter told you that you needed to do? Like, you know, Daddy, it, it just won't work unless you do this. No shocking things. Certainly good uh, suggestions and ideas to help me, you know, just make this character more 3D instead of, you know, a one-dimensional character. So that was good. I'm glad that she gave such great ideas. Well, what was the most important thing that she told you, your daughter? <laughs> I think the most important things were trying to be more accurate in how people actually talk in school. You know, I mean, high school is a long, long time in the past to kind of, I guess, forget that. Plus, you know, things change. So a little yeah. out of touch with current reality, I guess. I mean, besides she just being your daughter and she just being like, accessible because she's there in the house. Why'd you talk to her in the first place? Uh, my daughter, after I wrote my first few books, she was actually in fifth grade at the time. She got inspired and wrote her own books. And I have to tell you, she is a very talented writer. So right. I knew she, she had it in her. Unfortunately, she's been so busy with school, she had time to write more. What's the girl's name in the book? In the book, the main character is named Victoria. Her friend that she eventually meets, I named after my daughter, Altana. I never asked. I guess it's an obvious question. I mean, she has these freakish powers. How did she get them? Or is that a secret? That's not actually part of the story. Never was revealed why she has these powers. It is eventually revealed why they're temporary. Right. Sort of that becomes the entire novel. Okay, you write this story, you talk to your daughter... Did you ever want to go back to high school? Just step back in time? <laughs> Do I get to become younger, too? <laughs> yeah, you get to become young, yeah. <laughs> sure, I, I, I actually did like high school, so... Okay. I would do it again. I wouldn't do it again. You know, there are probably only two types of people in this world. Those who would go back to that day and time, and those that wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, how has your Kickstarter experience been, sir? So far, it's been good. This is my first project that I created on Kickstarter. Now, do you have mostly friends and family money, or do you have any outside people backing you at this moment? Right now, I'd say it's probably about 85% friends and family, but yeah, there's been some outside backing. 
Right. I'm actually going to the Connecticut Comic Book Convention this weekend, and I'm going to try to find more support there. I saw that someone said about your pictures, how they were, um, your illustrations, how they were incredibly cool. And you also have a backstory about how you met this artist. So I was in the New York Comic Con in October last October selling my fantasy books. He was going around to different tables showing his artwork. I actually almost didn't even look at the artwork. Something caught my eye, and I talked with him for a little bit. I really love his style. I hmm. had this idea for this story that I kind of put on hold until I finish. I, I have a few more books in my series that I want to finish, and then I was going to maybe write this as a as a full novel. Right. But when I connected with that artwork that he had, that you know that is absolutely perfect for this one story that I have. And then we started talking. And what's the market for this book? Because there are so many genres. I mean, there's just so many markets. It's the the book industry. Every industry is just divided up so much. I can't keep up with it. You know, a core market, especially for all fantasy, is young adults. So definitely would appeal to the young adult market. All right, I got you. I've noticed that selling books, uh, more and more women of different age ranges are into fantasy, more than I would have expected a, a while ago. What is it like to have a dream like this, you know, to be on the subway or the, the metro or the train and, and, and you doing these books while you're headed to work or while you're headed home in transit? I mean, what's that feel like? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, it has ups and downs. I can't even <laughs> tell you how many times I've felt while writing that I should just quit because it'll never work and I'll never be good. And then you give it a few days and you come back and you're like, wow, this is a great idea. I love writing. And then you're like, wow. I would suggest anyone out there, go check out Faux Life, F-A-U-X-L-I-F-E, part one of four on Kickstarter. And if you can't find it there, always go to djgrandpa.com where we promote anything that we like. That's pretty much the bottom line of it. That's like the general, that's like the only rule. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Ethan. Thank you. Remember, we are the crowdfunding channel, and we cover the globe. My name is Karen Parsons. You might know me as Hillary from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and since then, I am a mother, and I am the founder of Sweet Blackberry. Sweet Blackberry is a nonprofit organization. Uh, we started it in 2005, and... Our mission is to bring little-known stories of African-American history. Welcome to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thank you. How's it feel to be on Kickstarter? Is this your first time? It's my first time doing a Kickstarter campaign. Right. I've contributed to campaigns before, right. but um, this is my first insane endeavor. It's actually great. Right. You're, you're loving it. Okay. All right. All right. What's really interesting is you're just so nervous and hoping that you, you get to your goal, but the outpouring of support is intense. And you have this incredible animated movie that you're looking to finance called The Janet Collins Story. That's right. Presented by Sweet Blackberry. And that feels like another name as though you've been to an historically black college or something sweet. <laughs> no. Sweet Blackberry <laughs> is the name of my organization. It's a nonprofit organization. Yes, ma'am. Our mission is to bring little-known stories of African-American history to kids through films and, and different forms of media. And mostly right now, we, we've been focusing on animated short films right. with a single narrator. The first one we did 
It was called The Journey of Henry Box Brown, which was narrated by Alfred Woodard. Mm -hmm. They're all true stories of a slave who mailed himself to freedom in a box. I had never heard that story. That story was the impetus for All of Sweet Blackberry. When my mom told me that story, um, I thought, that's incredible. I can't believe I haven't heard that. And I can't believe none of my friends have heard it. And I want to make a kid's book of that. And, right. and then many, 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 many years later, I finally hopped to it and started to try to bring that story to life and a lot of other stories because I had discovered so many incredible stories along the way. It's just a killer story, man. I never heard it before, but I was like, man, would I have done that if I was in that position? Could I have? Yeah, the story that we're, yeah, exactly. That was the, the Henry Box Brown one. Right. And the story that we're focusing on now that we're trying to raise money for on Kickstarter, mm -hmm. or that we're raising money for, is um, the Janet Collins story. And that's a true story of the first African-American prima ballerina who broke down barriers and, you know, when she was 15, was asked in 1932, was asked by the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo, which is a very prestigious dance troupe, right. to dance with them. But they said, but you'd have to perform in whiteface. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that one either. Yeah, and she really thought that it was only about talent. And she was devastated, and of course, but she turned it down. Not everybody did in those days. Right. And she went on to work even harder and became extraordinary and ended up being the first black soloist at the Metropolitan Opera before Marian Anderson sang there, four years before, and became this celebrated prima ballerina. Really incredible story, but people don't seem to know about her now, which just doesn't make any sense to me. I want to say that you know how to pick them because it's like every story that I've seen that you've touched, that you talked about on your Kickstarter, they're killer stories, all of them. I'm not creating the stories, the stories exist, you know, and there's so many more, they're just real stories. You know, we get taught about the same handful of stories in black history right. that are good stories, they're great, real life, incredible stories, but that doesn't mean that that's all there is. There's so much more, there's so many more contributions Yes. And so many more incredible people and their stories to learn from and for kids to learn from in terms of because of the struggles that people had to go through and the ingenuity that they had to have to do what they did at the time that they did it, you know, in the time period. Right. I think there's so much for kids to get from that. Like, oh, you know, major, these obstacles are potentially areas where uh, these challenges are things that I can actually aspire to great things. Do you think there are like enough of those stories in your hmm, in your wheelhouse because I, I I never used that word before. I like that word. I've never used it either, but I'm gonna try to use it this week. Do you think there's like enough stories that you could have like a 365 day calendar of all incredible stories like that? Oh, and then you can go the next year and not repeat the same ones. Yeah. My mom worked at the library and she told me some fascinating stories and I thought, oh my gosh, I want to get these to little kids early. And it's developed into a thing of, I really want to plant the seeds in them for a number of reasons, some of which I already said because of the lessons they can learn, because of the stories that are being lost. But also, I think it's really important so much for self-esteem. Right. And I think that when we relegate black history to a, a little 28-day month. And <laughs> you're not satisfied. You got a month. Now you're, you're complaining that it's you 28 go. days. You got a month. That's the problem. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is American history. It's like, <laughs> when did it become this separate thing? I understand the celebrating it. Right. 
And we wanted to draw attention because that was necessary at the time. But I we can't just go, well, that back when Black History Month was first established, times are different now. Things have changed and moved and this needs to be American history. We can focus on it in, when we want in places, but it shouldn't be extracted as a separate history for this one month out of the year. And <laughs> what is that saying? I love that month though. <laughs> Not because of the black history part. It's, just... <laughs> it's a little dinky month. I like small packages. <laughs> Let's not forget she's raising money on Kickstarter, the Janet Collins story. Go check it out. Presented by Sweet Blackberry. Oh, it is incredible illustrations. I don't want to leave that out. But you also have a moment in history. The show? Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. See, I want to I wanna talk to you like I know you or something because you're a celebrity and you always fall into that sort of thing. But how does it feel to, I guess they call being that pantheon and to have worked with that caliber of talent? You know, not to say that you're not that caliber of talent. We didn't think of it that way. We were... You guys, you guys, heads weren't blown up. Come on. No, I was with a really good group of people. Are you still big into acting or, you know, is it theater? What's it for you these days? I'm not doing any acting right now. I've right. been focusing on this organization, Sweet Blackberry, and my family. My kids are 11 and 7 right. now, so I've been really dedicating a lot to that. Not that I'm not, I'm not going to ever act again, it's just that's been... It's taken a lot of my time. Right, because I didn't pull up your IMDb, and that's one of the internet movie database, and I kind of wanted to stalk you on that for a second and just say, <laughs> like... See what I've been doing? Yeah, yeah, it's like, what is yeah, well, Dead end, dead end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I looked at your Kickstarter profile, and I was like, huh, that's not really... No, that's not answering that question either. Nope. But okay, for those of you who've been waiting for her to return to acting or have followed Karen throughout the years... I don't even know how to put this. But anyway, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, but I guess you thought that was luck. So you starred as Hillary on Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Is that the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. On oh, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. Yeah, I can never get over calling him Will Smith because... Yeah, I'm, you're still stuck in that uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Can I say one more thing about him? That's okay. If I had to spend 20 years into the future... I would have never guessed that Will Smith would be Will Smith, that he'd be like this Hollywood A-lister. So I would have never, I would have bet money against it. Not that I'm negative and not that I don't watch Will Smith movies. It's just, I would have never imagined. Right, he didn't seem like he fit the profile or something. It's like the last I remember Will Smith was, I was at Hampton University and I was having a conversation with a cousin of his and he and Jazzy Jeff were on tour and they were in town. And all these people were just saying, oh, he's so nice, he's so this, he's so that. And I, you know, me being contrary, I'm like, he's not a nice guy. <laughs> you know, like, based on what? Based on what? Based on nothing, just based on being a jerk. Part of the reason I think he's had such tremendous success, aside from the obvious things that he's incredibly charming and talented, yeah. is that there isn't anybody like him. So he inhabits this space you know, that's just, it's just Will. It's just him. Like, he does, nobody else does quite what he does. Okay, now let's get back to Sweet Blackberry, because I know you're getting ready to hang up on this. Yeah. <laughs> I heard that about you. I heard, 
They said be brief, man, because she tends to hang up. <laughs> okay, adorable pictures. You need that doing a Kickstarter campaign. This is for an animated film. What is your role in this film? I mean, are you the director, writer, what? I'll be producing and writing it. Yeah, I, that's what I've done in the past on the films that we've done before, which I feel really good about. Mm -hmm. The two films that we did before were both Parents' Choice Award winning films and they, had, they ran on HBO for a while. So we know we're doing, we're doing something right, but we also, we have Chris Rock narrating this one. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, very excited to have Chris, I mean, it's an incredible story. Our Gregory Christie is doing the illustrations that you talked about that oh, you saw yeah. on our Kickstarter. And he's just done a few for us, you know, so people could get an idea, get a taste of it. And then Chris Rock has signed on. So we've got an exceptional team that is ready to do this. We just need people to, Take a look at what we're doing, and if you like what you see, to please pledge something toward this so we can get to our goal. It's only, we only have 11 days left. They do need your help. They're like 40% funded. We're right at half. Oh yes, my fault, I can't add now. What is wrong with me? <laughs> You're at like almost 60% funded. No, 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 we're, we're oh sorry. <laughs> anyway. We're about around the halfway point. Yes, ma'am. You know, we definitely need the momentum and the push to keep us going so we can get over the hill and reach it, reach our goal. And um, it's, like I said, it's nerve-wracking. I think the thing that's really important before I hang up on you. Yeah, that yeah, because I know how you are. Is for people to check out the rewards. Go all the way through them from the beginning all the way to the end. We have some incredible rewards. We have a special screening with the Fresh Prince cast of a fan voted on favorite episode of the Fresh Prince. We'll watch it with you right. in Q&A. We have a shopping spree with Tatiana Ali and myself. Chris Rock will do a voicemail. Jada Pinkett Smith will do your outgoing voicemail. Alfonso Ribeiro will, and so will Will Smith. Wow, everything's up for sale. Anything for <laughs> Quincy Jones? <laughs> oh, I don't have Quincy. I wish I did. Benny Medina, somebody? <laughs> right. There's a lot of really cool stuff. There's also like stuff from the Metropolitan Opera, ballet tickets, right. really wonderful stuff. Like I said, for anyone out there, check out the Janet Collins story presented by Sweet Blackberry and Karen Parsons, and it's on Kickstarter. And if you can't find it, they always go to djgrandpa.com where we support what? The family. A lot of times. Kids. A lot of times. Movies. Everything. I feel like Crazy Eddie at the moment. <laughs> but we're selling everything on the Janet Collins page. Check it out. And Miss Parsons, thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'd like to thank all our guests. I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertram Zeke, and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rufus. Thank you.